0: Well, folks, welcome to another I hope exciting episode of Growing a Greener Kenai. I'm happy to be with you here on this wonderful Kenai Peninsula day, September 16th, and we've got a few things to talk about here. And uh, I'll tell you, we uh, we've had a heck of a we've had a heck of a summer, haven't we, folks? My goodness, I'll tell you, I just do not know about this year. It has been tough. People have expressed to me different times about crop failures and crop successes. Uh, but it's just it's been a tough year, and uh, we can all uh, lament uh, the best we can with each other and just uh, go with the flow and get something going and being ready the best we can for next year. One of the things I want to remind everyone of is that today is, first off, it's the Harvest Moon Festival, and that goes from 10 to 5 at Soldotna Creek Park, Uh, but also uh, one of the things that we had uh, a schedule change with the Central Peninsula Garden Club is our first meeting is also today at... Kenai Peninsula College Building 156. That's the entrance. That's by the big, uh, the big scrap metal uh, sculptors of the moose. You go in that door and then the room immediately on the right anyway that starts at one o'clock today and our speaker will be uh david regal who's a member of the garden club board and, and david is a retired landscape architect and loves gardens and gardens history and david will be the guest speaker on today's show uh at the at the Ken- Kenai peninsula college and uh Hopefully, hopefully you will get there. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that there is plenty of time to go to both events. Uh, like I said, the Garden Club monthly meeting starts on the 16th at today at, at 1 o'clock. And the Harvest Moon is from 10 to 5. So there's plenty of moon, plenty of moon, plenty of time <laughs> to hit both of those Uh one or the other either harvest moon before the the monthly meeting at one or harvest moon after the monthly meeting at one so hopefully you folks will take the time to go to both of those events and uh, and have a good have a good time there so uh, anyway well what uh, what do we have going on right now in our gardens there's not a lot happening right now uh but it's time to winterize and that means also there's things to plant right now which is garlic and we are going to talk a little bit about both of these the fall and winter to-do list and I'm going to discuss what the University Extension Center provides us and you know all I can say there is folks don't forget the University of Alaska Cooperative Extension Service uh, UAF.edu forward slash CES is a wealth of information. And, uh, I, you know, I learn a lot of stuff and I use a lot of their information in how I work in my garden. You know, and uh, and it, it has been a wonderful, wonderful resource. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, fall and winter to do list. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the timing of... How we do things for the winter, and and I also want to let you know that today is the last day of twice twice a month uh, shows for Growing a Greener Kenai. Starting in October, we go to once a month again. There's not just a whole lot to talk about two times a month through the winter, but we're gonna we're gonna uh, do the best we can to still have uh, an interesting show for you uh, once a month through the winter time, and then in May we'll start up uh, twice a month again, and we'll, uh, we'll get things going. And one of the things I want to talk about through the winter, especially as we get close to January, is getting our seeds ordered, getting our catalogs, and and uh, being ready for the year. But I one of the things I'd like to really get into a little bit more is more instead of just saying oh yeah you take uh you take your carrot seed and put it in the ground and uh, you let it do its thing I, i'd like to get into a little bit more of a what sort of look for a little more detail on some of the secrets and maybe some of the successes and failures of growing carrots in alaska uh, not just carrots but everything we grow up here some uh, successes and failures of growing broccoli cauliflower and and i got to tell you folks One of the things I'm excited about, which I've talked to you before about, is my Brussels sprouts. I'm actually getting Brussels sprouts this year. I I was ready to literally give it up. Uh, And now, uh, that's, boy, I'm getting a tease from my Brussels sprout plants. And I have, what I did was I, I watched a couple of YouTube videos of the commercial Brussels sprout growers. And I decided to try what they're doing, you know, and we all know you, you you know, you pinch the top off, you pinch leaves off. So I did an experiment with so many of my plants. I've got one plant that I took every single leaf off, the top, everything. It's a bare stalk. And I'll be darned if those little Brussels sprouts aren't coming out of that thing. I did some others where I pulled all the leaves off going up and pinched out the top uh, so the, the, energy would go to making the Brussels. So anyway, those are some of the things I want to talk about through the winter, especially getting into January. Like I said, when we all are ready to get going again on our, on our gardens and really thinking about it and get more into detail with, with everything we grow. Uh, tomatoes, potatoes, especially. You folks know I love to grow potatoes, and we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, as we go into the winter time, but right now what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk a little bit about this it's end of the season it's harvest time folks and one of the first things to let you know about harvest is be sure that when you're preserving your garden harvest that you're doing it in a safe way and one of the safer ways to do that is to look at the university extension site, uh, publications on canning, freezing, everything. But but one of the bigger things is go by our extension office on K-Beach and have your gauge tested. Uh, you know, I've never really heard of one of those failing, but I'll tell you what, things happen. And I don't know if you folks have ever seen pictures of a pressure cooker pressure canner that has exploded but I've seen a couple of those pictures and it is amazing at oh well the the it's a it's a bomb it's a bomb with uh, a flying shrapnel and I mean if you're in the room you're going to get potentially hurt or worse and I got to tell this story real quick Uh, my wife said when she was younger uh, she was uh, at a friend's house and they were cooking beans in their pressure canner pressure cooker and apparently a bean, and it didn't have a gauge on it. It's got the the jiggling weight, and you know, you all know how those work. But the all of a sudden, the the uh, weight quit jiggling, quit jiggling, and quit jiggling. And all they could figure out was that the a bean somehow, I don't know how it got up in there, but a bean apparently blocked off that. Uh, Little port that the weight sits on. Well, she said they went over and they started jiggling it and trying to push it, and nothing happened. So instead of turning it off and letting it cool, they pulled the weight off. And right at that moment, she said it released pressure, and she said, beans, gooey beans, squirted out of that port up onto the ceiling, and she said there were beans everywhere. Everywhere, splattered all over the ceiling, said there were beans everywhere. So that's a good story of being extra careful. What should they have done? They should have let it cool down on its own and, and not, uh, not tried to do that. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one of the things uh, uh, to be real careful about, folks, is taking care of your harvest be it, uh, like I said, be it canning, be it freezing, uh, any, anything like that. And, uh, you know, we've got, uh, there are certain things when you're canning them, uh, that need, uh, actually canned pressure canned as opposed to water bath canning. The items that are a little bit higher in, uh, uh, acidity, acidity rather, uh, like tomatoes and some things, you can do those pretty much in a water bath. You can pressure cook those if you want to, but a water bath typically works okay. And then you have the other items to can that actually need to be pressure canned. And there are different ways to add uh, acidity uh, to to what you're canning. So, uh, folks, be real careful on... uh, On doing that and uh, making sure you're doing things the good way the safe way and I know I've uh, I've boy my wife and I we've been canning items for years and you know it seems like almost every time not every batch but you know you'll be sitting there uh, watching your canner and you let it do its thing it heats up to a certain uh, pressure and uh, you let it go for 15 minutes Uh, We're at sea level, so for us, 15 minutes is uh, typically adequate. And only for folks that live at uh, typically 1,000 feet or above need to add another five minutes to their canning process. Well, that's not very many places in Alaska. Even Fairbanks, certain places in the interior, uh, you get up by Healy in the park up there, they're a little bit higher but uh, we're down around sea level. Uh, but, yeah, it's not till you get above 1,000 feet that you need to add, uh, add some time to whatever the, whatever the book says you're supposed to can, uh, uh, the timeline for whatever you happen to be canning. But you just need to be careful of that and uh, make sure you're following the directions and be safe. But as I was saying, I've had them before where you, you've got uh, seven-quart seven jars in there and all six of them seal, but that seventh one won't seal. So what happened? And you know how they are. When you take them out, they start to cool. You hear that little pop, 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 pop of those lids popping down that are, in fact, the sign that you're getting a good seal. Well, on the ones that haven't haven't sealed for me in the past, I take the, the ring off the lid and the lid, and I just look at it, and if everything looks okay, I, you know, who knows? There might have been a little bit of something on that rim of that jar that, in fact, kept it from sealing. Who knows? So what I do, like I said, I take everything from, wipe that ring off, put that lid back on, and put that uh, ring back on. And usually I, I might think about getting a new lid. And then put it in the canner again, and more often than not, you get more, no problem at all, and it seals right up again. so don't and if you if you don't want to do that, that's the one you might put in the fridge and just use it first. You know I know a lot of people a lot of people do that so so give that a you can give that a try. But yeah be extra careful though, when you are working with your canning process and your vacuum sealing and everything and make sure you're doing the absolute. Absolute uh, directions for safety. You you don't want to get uh, botulism, any botulinum toxin in there uh, at all, and that's usually something that happens with with canning, obviously. And then uh, when freezing, uh, the best thing to look out for there is uh, freezer burn. You know, like I said, we do a we do a lot of hard work in the garden, and this year especially, with maybe some folks having not re- reduced reduced harvest you don't want to get things in the freezer have too much air be in there and then about the time you get ready to pull something out and, in in uh, february or march uh, you look at it and it is almost freeze dried uh dehydrated with a bunch of ice crystals on it then they get freezer burned and that uh, that's uh that's a bad scene i mean because you it's just disappointing when you do that so, and I gotta tell you, I just recently got rid of i'm gonna i'm gonna look for a new one. I got rid of my vacuum sealer. uh I need to get another one because this one I had was over thirty years old, and it was just starting to act up. It wasn't vacuuming well, it wasn't sealing consistent consistently the the little heater across there. And I did everything I could to find like a new sealer, the new heat heat tape that seals them. And I tell you what, I could not find them. I talked to the people that sell them, and I, I couldn't find one. And I've just finally decided it wasn't worth the hassle anymore. So I got rid of it, and I'm going to get a new one. My uh, friends down the street just got a, a new one, and it's really nice. And I mean, it worked fantastic. So I think I'm ready. I think uh, I think 31 or 32 years of use. Uh, was pretty good. I remember that thing cost $250 back then. And uh, it's the one that's made in Italy with quote is supposed to be the best one. But anyway, anyway, I think I uh, definitely got my money's uh, worth out of that thing. Uh, Average about $8 a year to use that. So I think it'll be okay to get another one. So anyway, and then I've told you folks before about my I guess you might want to call it the redneck vacuum seal method. There's a couple ways to do this. One of the other ways to, to pack things in a plastic bag, a zipper-type bag, is put put your item in there, and then you can kind of push it down and put water in the sink and push it down in there, and that water will press on the bag, and it'll push the air out, and you can kind of help it along with your hands, uh, and then you seal it across, don't let any water get in it. you, seal it across, and that'll make a pretty good seal. I like to use the, I call it, uh, I call it uh, uh, bag-sucking season. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of weird, but anyway, you know, like I said, we, we put, uh, first off, uh, uh, we'll put everything on some trays, like broccoli, put it on trays, and get it at least frozen to partially frozen, then we put it in a zipper bag of whatever brand you like to use, and it's just my wife and I, so we set up each each zipper bag. Usually sandwich bag size works just fine, if not a quart, and then uh, I squeeze the, the zipper part all the way across, except on the corner where a straw will go in there, and I get down there, and I exhale as hard as I can, and then I have that straw in that little hole, and I suck the air out of that bag as hard as I possibly can, almost to the point of passing out. And then right, whenever it looks right, it sucks the air down. You pull the straw out at the same time you're hitting that zipper bag across and I'll tell you what that actually works fantastic it works great if you don't have a vacuum seal uh, it works wonderful and in fact over the years sometimes if I've only had a couple of things I want to I want to preserve I don't break out the vacuum my vacuum packer sealer I will do the the straw sucking method out of the corner of the of the zipper bag so uh, that's another way to do it you know and back in the you know it's just like our when we deal with fish up here one of the ways we used to uh, save fish back in the midwest especially back whenever remember when everything came uh, milk came in a, a wax covered paper carton and you can still get certain things in there but you cut the lid off of that and you take your fish fillets you drop them down in the in that thing and fill it with water and put it in the freezer as long as there's ice around that fish it keeps for a long long time now i haven't tried that with uh, any vegetables of any sort uh but but it works wonderful with with fish uh but now most people don't do that for most people don't you don't get those darn uh, uh milk cartons like that anymore so anyway uh okay so uh, we've talked a little bit about about preserving, but I want to get now into a little bit of the fall and winter to do list on taking care of our gardens. And like I said, I, I like to talk uh, right off the Extension service uh, winter to do list and one of the things uh, that you need to do that will make your life a lot, lot easier the next spring when it comes time to garden again is get all the old crop residue out of your garden plots get them out clean it up uh, add a little you know you're you you're gonna compost all that anyway Uh, but when you get rid of it it helps prevent any disease that might be there uh, pests root maggots because you you don't want these things to overwinter so you want to take their food out of there and what i've done in the past and i haven't had to this year i haven't had too much you know the only problem i've been having like i think most gardeners have been having is slugs but i haven't had any uh, root maggot problems no nothing's chawing on the roots or anything just slugs and it's just been a slug year But what I did, uh, I can't remember, I think it was last year. Yeah, last year, uh, I scraped off a little bit of the soil in my beds, in my greenhouse. And I felt like, you know, maybe a couple inches. I scraped it out and I took it out of my garden and I actually dumped it. I didn't have that much of it, but I dumped it in a fire pit with a bunch of, with a fire going. And I figured if there was any, any type of, Creatures in there, eggs or anything, it was going to kill them. Well, I haven't had any of those troubles this year at all. No no root maggots, no nothing. No aphids in my greenhouse, no nothing. I've had a really good, lucky year with my, with my soil in my outdoor garden and in my greenhouse. So if you're having a lot of trouble, that's one of the things you can do is scrape some of that old soil off. Get it rid of it. Put it on a different part of the property. Burn it. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, like I said, I dump mine in a fire pit with a fire going, and uh, it kills everything. But it, but it, uh, one of those things, uh, a preventive maintenance thing. And you will have to. You're usually going to add a little more compost to the beds anyway, so uh, it doesn't hurt that much. But then you need to. Uh, you need to think about all your trellises and everything Uh, i take those out of my garden every year i don't let them go through the winter and it just gets them out of the way and it makes things easier in the spring Uh, i like to put mulch down in fact i'm just now getting ready uh, based on recommendations from wayne and patty at cool cash farms you know they are uh, peony growers deluxe and uh, i saw patty at, at one of the uh oh at uh, a couple of Wednesday markets here a few weeks ago and I asked her and Wayne that I said when should we cut back our peonies and she said let them go as long as you want up to maybe getting close to that first frost then lop them off because uh, right now uh, you know the flowers are all gone from them we've, we've harvested all the flowers and all the buds off of them and, and now I've got a bunch of wood chip mulch I'm going to cut them back to you know maybe uh inch or two above the ground, and then I'm going to mulch all of them with uh, chipped chipped trees. And like I said, uh, we we talked to, uh, I'm on the list to get wood chips from one of the tree companies when they're clearing things and they're running through that giant chipper that goes in the back of the truck. If they're in my neighborhood, they'll come by and they'll dump it for me. And I got a couple of pretty good piles for this year, so I've got plenty to, to mulch everything with. And then another thing I've done so far this year, when I talk about, when I'm talking about, uh, oh, you know, uh, clearing out your beds, removing all those old crop residue, uh, since I didn't really grow anything else, I mean, I probably could have grown some more lettuce or something, something quick growing. But on my raised beds, and you folks know that I do all my raised beds in, in uh, containers uh, using uh, well they're raised bed using uh, garage door panels that i that i build my beds with well anyway i got a cover crop and i just planted a cover crop about a week ago four or five days ago and there's still plenty of time for some of that to sprout and i just went down to Kenai feed and i bought some buckwheat and i spread it out there and uh, it'll come up and it'll you know all i got to do is decide am i going to turn it under Uh, here when it's getting ready to freeze or you know i'm thinking this year i might just try and let it go and let it be snowed on and turn it in next spring when it's time to plant again so that's another thing you can be doing right now is getting uh if you're harvesting you got bare ground get, get a little cover crop on there all that does is help to add nutrients help to add organics and it helps to build your soil uh to be ready next year so so anyway, I, uh, I did that, and like I said, I, I couldn't find, you know, you can get all sorts of uh, cover crops. You can buy them online, and uh, usually, I've, and I actually thought I had some, but I didn't, and I didn't really feel like there was time enough to order it, and I, uh, I just, like I said, uh, you get them. They, they've got peas in them, barley, buckwheat, everything, all these uh, uh, high nitrogen, high organic matter that you can do that but i just used buckwheat this year Uh, that's a that's a good cover crop too sprinkled them in uh, kind of put a rake on them uh, just raked them in a little bit and now with uh, some of the rains we've had it's, uh, it's, it's doing, you know, it'll be, it'll be fine there. I uh, actually just saw a couple of little green sprouts coming up already from just, uh, like I said, planting uh, four or five days ago. Uh, but uh, they'll, they'll be going gangbusters pretty soon and, uh, and it'll do nothing but help your soil. So uh, if you've got, if you've got uh, one other thing you can do this time of year, if you've got really heavy soil, you can turn it now uh, to let it drain uh, you can, you can even add, uh, your comp, some compost now, uh, for some of your raised beds or, or your deep beds and, uh, get, get those going. There's so many things you can do. And one of the best things to be doing this time of year is building your compost pile. You know, you're going to have a lot of greenery that you don't use, uh, Gosh, your, your broccoli, cauliflower, everything is uh, all those leaves, all those uh, nutrients, uh, it's time for those to go in the compost pile. And I've told you folks before, one of the things I like to do is the compost pile I made this year will be used next year. And so last year's compost, that's what I've been using for this year and uh, it's going to be time. I've got my other compost pile going right now. I'm turning it. Uh, of course, there again, like I said, I've uh, got a tractor, which makes that job a lot, lot easier instead of doing it with a pitchfork or something like that, which I've done before, and uh, it's definitely worth the time to do that. Uh, and, you know, I've uh, I've had a, a, a chipper shredder, for a long time and I don't have it anymore and I think I'm going to get uh, a a smaller one that's easier to move around. Uh, The one I had was just fine but one of the things I do is typically run all my greenery through the chipper shredder and it breaks it up into real small pieces and it composts faster. Well one of the things you can do too if you don't have a chipper shredder or anything like that is just lay it out over the ground and use your lawnmower go back and forth over it over your lawn with your lawnmower. And you can put the bagger on your mower if you want. I know I've done it both ways. Uh, and the bagger, it'll collect that and you dump it out. And well you've you've damn near got compost already with uh, with doing it with the lawnmower, you know, and if not, you just go over it and over it and over it and then rake it up into a pile. Do it you do it right next to your compost pile and then throw it in the compost pile and you've got some wonderful compost. And, uh, you'll, uh, typically you'll be ready to use it next year, you know, depending on how, how, uh, how late you start out and you add something to it in November, uh, the odds of it really composting very well are pretty slim. But as you've been doing this through the summer and building that compost pile, and even though now's the time we harvest, there's still time to get some heat in that compost pile. But there again, the later we go into the year, getting it melts down to a smaller piece, it's is uh instrumental in getting a better compost pile for the spring because it just breaks down so much faster so use that lawn mower if you don't have a a chipper or shredder uh make sure everything you've got in your garden is uh, like buckets and watering cans and everything that they're empty Uh, up here you know that that stuff's going to freeze absolutely solid and uh, that's not going to do much uh, good for any of your equipment and in fact, uh, that water will uh, that water will uh, pretty much destroy a little bit of everything. Uh, so so we'll do that, and then there's one other thing I want to bring up here uh, before we through at the toward later at the uh, end of the show. So uh, do those things. Uh, uh, one and one. I'll tell you what. One of the most important things to do is you know if you've got uh, some of the clay pots, you need to at least Get those out of the weather or at least turn them in on their side. Anything that you've got in a pot that stays outside. And this is, uh, I learned this from Bobby Jackson a long time ago. You look at all the stuff out at Bobby's and everything that sits out in front of her uh, fruit tree greenhouse that that she has out there and uh, some of the plants she's selling in the wintertime, they don't take those in. They just turn them on their side, and what that does is that keeps the ice and the snow or the snow and then the melt uh, going down in there and freezing the roots, and I've tried that uh, a few times with some uh, chives I've got in pots, and it works wonderful, So, uh, but be sure uh, you got clay or terracotta pots, uh, they'll get ice in them, and you know how it is up here. They will freeze and crack and break, and it is absolutely uh, it's absolutely a mess, and uh, those, are, those are expensive enough. You want to definitely be careful of that. Make sure all your uh, hoses are disconnected from your house. I made that mistake many years ago up in Anchorage, and I left a hose hooked onto our outside spigot, and it froze up in there, and it cracked, and every time I turn the water on, it took me a little while to figure it out. I'm like, why does that water sound like it's still running? And well, it had crack, and it was letting water go in our crawl space. So that's one of the things I definitely watch every year now and make, make sure those hoses are disconnected. And I don't take, uh, you know, sometimes I'll uh, kind of depend on where the hose is, I will uh, blow compressed air through the hose, and uh, on my hose, you know, my hose reels, and I blow compressed air through them. And then I put just a little bit of that RV, that, that kind of red or pinkish RV stuff in there and blow it through. And that usually does just fine. Now, I take all my attachments off, my my watering wands and everything like that, and I keep them in the garage. But, uh, yeah, just, just put a little bit of that through there. And that's how I also winterize my water system uh, out to my garden and my greenhouse is... Uh, I've got it fixed where it just connects right onto a hose bib up next to the house, and then the buried line all the way out there. Same way I use my air compressor; I blow the water out, and then I pour pour some of that uh, RV stuff in the hose. Use my compressor and blow it all through the system. And it's just fine. I've never had any trouble with anything in the following years. When it's time to fire up the water system again, and then one of the big things it's time to do this year, uh, at this time of year, is you want to plant your bulbs that you want to come up. Your your uh, some of your perennials, your uh, daffodils, you know, uh, tulips, whatever you want to whatever you want to get in the ground. It's the time of year to get those in the ground. And, uh, and be, and those will be, those will be popping up next year. Uh, and through the winter, you know, this is more of a through the winter thing, but you can sharpen, you can work on your hand tools. And, you know, I've told you folks before, I'll do it again this year. I didn't do it last winter cause they looked okay, but I like to paint the handles of my tools, bright colors. It makes it easier for me to find them, uh, blue, red, bright yellow. And I just use some spray paint and I'll spray the, spray the handles down of, uh, you know, a, a, a rake or, or a, a hoe or whatever, you know, so, uh, so uh, I like to do that. Uh, it's something to do in the wintertime, too. So go to that, uh, go to the Extension website and look at that, an Alaska gardener's fall and winter to-do list. You won't be sorry and it will, it'll help you out in the long run. It'll give you even a, a easier job the next year, this next spring, when it comes time to get ready to go instead of waiting until the last minute. And uh, I know I've done it both ways. And if I don't do my wintertime uh, activities, my wintertime cleanup, uh, I'm usually sorry the next spring because I've got twice the work to do. And I'd rather be out there planting instead of cleaning so that's why I do it uh, now I'm pretty I'm pretty good about doing it in the fall to get ready for next year so uh, well this last part of the show one of the things I want to bring up is it's time and uh, here probably probably uh, this week I will be planting my fall garlic and one of the things to do with your garlic and there's a lot of uh, if you, haven't got your garlic, hopefully you've got your garlic ordered and you've got it in hand right now, cause it is, it's time to plant. And there's a, there's, like I said, if you order, there's, there's probably, uh, there's quite a few places to order garlic from, but uh, hopefully you've got it all, hopefully you've got it all in hand right now and ready to go to plant. And one of the reasons why you plant this time of year is it gives those garlic cloves, the roots a little bit of a head start on growing. So uh, you know, one of the things too that we need to do up here is you got to plant the right type of garlic, which is typically hard neck. Uh, hard neck doesn't store as well as soft neck but it grows better in our climate and it's really it's really a neat uh, the different parts of the country and the garlic that they grow my cousins in illinois uh, about an hour north of st louis on the illinois side uh, one of their sayings and my uncle used to say this all the time was don't let the rains of july fall on your garlic so they plant in the fall but they their garlic is ready to harvest in july so, uh, gosh, my, my cousins have had their garlic out of the ground for almost two months now and it, and it's beautiful. You know, it looks, it looks great. So, uh, but anyway, planning, planting now, uh, you got to plant it at the right time in early fall it gives those roots a chance to grow and, I've never had any trouble. some people worry about the garlic sprouting like getting the the green shoots up through the ground in the fall. That really won't hurt anything. Those will just die back that that uh, bulb that's planted will go dormant and it will still come up in the spring and it'll do it'll do just fine you know it'll do just fine and uh, one of the keys too is to buy good seed stock. And I've tried a little bit of different, uh, I've tried some different, uh, experiments. Uh, for instance, I grew a little softneck garlic one time in a container in a greenhouse, just planting it in a pot and it, it did okay. You know, it didn't do outstanding, but it did okay. I planted it in the spring and harvested it, uh, you know, like in October, uh, oh excuse me, harvested it in October and it, and it did okay. And you know one of the things that uh, you need to do when you are planting garlic is whenever you're separating the, your, your bulbs and getting the cloves out there, uh, everything I've read about garlic is that your garlic aren't going to get any bigger than the size of the clove. So the bigger the clove you plant, the better chance you have of having a bigger garlic. And then one of the next things to do is to soak the cloves. Now, one of the things that, that I do, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily like to, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't ne- necessarily like to promote a single company. There's de- many different places to get your garlic. And I tend to lean toward getting my garlic from places that grow it in the northern U.S., in New England, Minnesota, uh, Washington State, uh, the higher elevations, uh, and and I don't know. It may not make any sense at all, but to me, it seems that seems to make sense to grow somewhere where it's gonna freeze potentially of what we put in up of what we put up with up here. You know, uh, will garlic from California grow okay up here? Well, I'm sure it will, but will will German extra hardy from California, seed stock grow any less or better than Minnesota, German extra hardy? I don't know. It's just in my mind, it makes sense to get your garlic from somewhere uh, that, that's a cold climate, you know. So anyway, but what I, what, what I do is, uh, like I said, not to specifically promote a single um, garlic company, but I like Keen Garlic. And one of the things I do is, uh, and you can go to their website and look at it. And I do a garlic fertilization soak, and some people have done. I've tried it without it. I don't know. It just seems like it works better for me. So one of the things you do is, you, most of you folks know, is you take that clove, that seed stock you got try to save as much of the paper on the clothes as possible. It's not imperative, but it'll just potentially keep it from uh, rotting in the ground if it's got the paper on it. And you can get, what I do is I follow their directions and I soak the clothes in a sterilizer for about 10 minutes. And the sterilizer can be isopropyl alcohol, hydrogen peroxide, vodka. I bought a... Bottle of vodka. Uh, I think it's a 750 mil bottle of vodka. I wrote on the front of it, not for drinking, and that's what I use each year uh, for that 10 or 15 minutes soak on my garlic cloves. And what that does is, it any any type of little thing that could be on there, uh, it it kills it. You know, it it will it will kill that uh, the the soaking. Uh, you know, there, there can be, oh, what's a word, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I just, I just, <laughs> I lost, I lost the, I lost the, the, my, my thought there, uh, any, oh, any little, uh, disease or anything like that, uh, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take care of that, uh, you know, they, uh, you just put that in there and, and you do the, you do the, you do the, uh, the vodka 10 to 15 minutes. And then what you do is then you put it in another container. You drain off the, you drain off the vodka. And like I said, I save it. I put it back in the bottle and I use it each year. And then you mix up a little of a fertilizer, uh, mix, you know, like, uh, fish emulsion, uh, you can you can do that. And uh, what you do is you will do the applicate whatever the package says. You know, if it says to add one teaspoon per gallon of water, add one teaspoon to the gallon of water f- f- of, of your fish emulsion. And then add a teaspoon of baking soda uh, per gallon. And uh, you let that soak for 30 minutes and even up to overnight. And then what you do is... You plant those, and you need to plant your garlic. Needs to be in good, loose soils. Oh, uh, well, maybe six to nine inches apart. Something that drains really well. But if you look at the if you look at the King Garlic fertilization soak on their website, they've got pictures. Now it's just a picture. Who knows if they're scamming it? I don't think they're scamming us. But you look at, they've got pictures of an untreated and a treated clove that were both in the ground the exact same amount of time, seven days and they pulled them up as a comparison. The one that was not treated has no roots on it. The one that was treated has a good inch and a half to two inch roots on it already. So uh, that gives the plant a little bit of a head start. It gives it a little bit of nutrients to get going and then when it goes dormant in the winter. Uh, it just comes back even stronger. Now, one of the things I did this last year, my garlic's doing fine. Is uh, I, and I'm actually getting ready to harvest it because it's time to plant again. You know, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna har, uh, getting harvested. In fact, in fact, I shouldn't say I'm gonna harvest it. It, it is harvested. It's actually drying right now, and uh, and I did leave about two or three in the ground to see how they do, like up to frost. And we'll, uh, we'll see how they do. There's not really much for a reason to do that. I just want to see uh, how much bigger they might get. But, yeah, I, I say I'm going to harvest. It is harvested, and uh, it's drying right now. And then uh, it'll be ready. Uh, uh, hopefully it'll be ready to plant here uh, just about any day, actually. I can get that in the ground about any time. And like I said, I've, I've never had any trouble. I don't worry about the, uh, the, the green shoots coming up. Before the bad weather hits because it'll, they'll die off. It'll go dormant and it pops right back in the spring. And I've told you folks before, uh, one of the things I've tried in the past, and I don't know if now, if it's just been luck or what you want to call it, but, uh, I've planted uh, garlic or other alliums in with some of our flowers, like our tulips and with the daffodils, And now for two years in a row, I have had no moose eat any of my tulips there for a little while, man. Every tulip that came up, they all got nipped off and eaten. And you know, they like the flowers. They don't like daffodils, jonquils, uh, and and the alliums. Uh, you know, onions, garlic, that sort of thing. So I'm doing it again this year. I'm getting some stuff in the ground right now, in with my tulips, and uh, we'll see. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do some garlic. And then I'm going to do some more jonquils in the area and see if that might be one of the things that helped, like I said, two years in a row now, no moose damage from eating my tulips. Am I just lucky? I don't know. We got moose all over the place in our neighborhood, mamas, babies. And it's always kind of funny. You know, they don't like the jonquils. They don't like potatoes. But it's always funny to see a young moose go up there and eat something like that and they almost get a nasty look on their face and they'll even spit it out. Uh, and then that's how they learn that, oh man, we, we don't like that stuff, you know? So, uh, so, uh, you might give that a try. I don't know if any of our other listeners have done that, but, uh, but, uh, that, that seems to work for me. Like I said, it could be luck. Who knows? Who knows? So anyway, you, you get your garlic and you get it soaked, uh, then you your uh, when you want to get it planted uh, you know you want to plant those cloves and you know uh, you know hope i don't have to tell anybody this but the pointy end goes up first with the cloves you don't when you like what you buy at the store you've got to break that big clove apart into indiv- individual cloves the pointy part goes up the the flat kind of part goes down that's where the roots are coming out and uh, like I said, you can do it in a raised bed, raised row, a traditional gar- garden setup. Uh, but it, uh, it doesn't matter where you grow it. But you really need to have a good, fertile, well-draining soil. And uh, the well-draining is a big part because uh, you know I've had uh, I've had garlic through the winter before. I've had not all cloves have rotted, but I've had a couple that rotted, and I'm sure it was just because I it, it wasn't the soil wasn't prepared rolling up in that particular area. But if you're gonna use a trench method, you know, you do a trench maybe three to four inches deep and a few inches wide and you fill it with compost. If you want, uh, you know, and even a good pot and soil mix if you don't have any any compost. Uh, but compost is best. Break that soil up down in the trench, break it up as well as you can, put a bunch of compost in there, About three to four inches underground, you put your clove and plenty of loose, fertile soil for the garlic to grow in. Uh, Because, you know, you folks know how it is. You know, it's just like potatoes. You can grow potatoes in clay, but they're not going to get very big because they've got to fight against that tight soil. Your potatoes, and and, uh, not just potatoes, but other underground crops grow better when there's a good, well-draining, loose soil. That's why a lot of people, I mean, I mix uh, sand or perlite or something in myself for where I'm going to put carrots. Uh, it, you just want it to be as loose as possible so that plant doesn't have to fight the pressure of heavy soil around it. So anyway, you want that for your garlic too. Uh, you can put it in a trench. You can put it in containers. Uh, you, you put it down in the compost layer. Uh, pointy end up like I said again and that's where it'll sprout and uh, shoot through the through the surface Uh, uh, you cover the garlic with a few inches of soil level to the surface of the ground and oh you know different people do it different ways but just make sure wherever you're putting it it's well draining and one of the things I've gotten to where I, what I do now, and it seems to work pretty well is when I am planting, uh, that garlic as winter comes on, I put, and I put a thick layer of straw over that, uh, really, you know, first off, I make sure there's, good fertilizer in the ground i got a good soil i got compost in it i've got it about as best as i can get it. make sure that in the fall make sure there's no little bit of weeds growing there because uh, those weeds will compete for the same nutrients as your garlic so you want obviously you want that energy to go to to your garlic bulbs so anyway i do all that and make sure my soil's in good shape and i put get them planted make sure it's well draining and then i cover probably at least a good foot of straw. And then I put a sheet of plastic over that. And the reason I do that, and it's worked for me so far, the reason I do that is so any snow that builds up there or any melting we get, that water doesn't go down into the ground, work its way through the straw, and then get down in the ground and potentially freeze my bulbs and maybe rot them. Is it necessary? I, I don't know, not everybody does that, but I do it and it's worked for me uh, for many years now. So that's that's one of the things I like to do. Uh, and then, uh, uh, then as the plant starts to grow up in the spring, then I mulch around it real well uh, to try and keep as many weeds out of that garlic <laughs> Excuse me, as possible, and that seems to that seems to work pretty well. And then through the uh, you know through the through the growing season, uh, you know you just fertilize maybe a good five two two fertilizer or uh, something like that. You can uh, uh, use a, de- a regular uh, uh, dissolvable fertilizer and uh, and do that. And, uh, and you will, you'll, have, uh, you'll have good garlic. And if you didn't get your garlic ordered, if you don't have it in stock, uh, I'll tell you, one of the places that should have it right now is some of our feed stores should have them. Uh, uh, Trinity might have some, Kenai. Uh, but usually, who's got some too, is Bobby Jackson usually has garlic for sale. Uh, that she orders, and she might have some. So hopefully you've got your hopefully you've got your garlic in hand, like I said, because so many of the places now that have it, uh, they're sold out on the most popular varieties. And uh, and for you folks that dry your own garlic and save your biggest bulbs, uh, that that's great too. You don't have to you don't have to buy because I will have to say it is a tad expensive uh, when you're ordering it. So uh, I'm going to be using, uh, I think, some of my biggest cloves. And then, uh, real quick, even though we're talking about planting garlic, but one of the things we've figured out to do on, on saving and preserving garlic is we use one of those, whenever it's time to, uh, these uh, cloves that I got drying right now, what we'll do is we've got one of those little silicone, oh, it looks like a, it looks like a giant uh Giant uh, pasta, you know, uh, a giant rigatoni or, or something that you would stuff. It's really big. And you put your garlic in there, and you and you roll it on the, on the counter, and all the paper comes off. And they really work well, and uh, that's what we do. And we clean all the garlic up, and then we just put it in a zipper bag and throw it in the freezer. And it stays in fantastic shape, and you've got it all winter and all summer to use depending on how much you grew and that's how we store it i know some people store it in olive oil uh which uh, everything i've read you got to be careful because you could uh you could be developed some botulism in there uh my cousin does it that way and he's never had any trouble so it's just another one of those things of being safe whenever you're doing that so anyway you can probably get your garlic in the ground about any time right now uh maybe uh, uh, you know, mid, mid, mid September is always, uh, about the time I do mine. It gives it time. We're not going to get a freeze for a little while. We'll have some cold mornings, but it's not going to be super, super, uh, cold here for a little while. And then that'll, uh, uh, that'll get us going and be ready for next year. And, uh, hopefully you can start, uh, planting some of your own garlic and by saving it and, uh, it's, it's neat. It's neat. Cause uh, they grow neat too, you know? So, Oh, Oh my gosh, folks, I'll tell you, boy, this time goes by fast. Doesn't it? Uh, I hope you've learned a little bit about, uh, about, uh, winterizing and, uh, planting, uh, being ready for next year, planting, uh, in the fall here. And, uh, and just, uh, just being the best gardens we can, and like I said, this is the last show for the twice a month shows. Uh, we'll be going to once a month again, starting in October. And uh, as I said, uh, if there's anything you'd like to, to have me talk about, or uh, if you want to come on the show with me, oh, I'd love to have you on the show to talk about certain things. But uh, give me, you know, give me an email at growing a greener at kdll.org. And we'll talk about things like i said i I really want to get into more specific items over just generalities and uh, hopefully give folks a better a better idea and better ways to be successful like i said all gardeners want other gardeners to be successful especially uh, a new gardener starting now there's nothing more frustrating than working your butt off and having things not grow and uh, this, this was a tough year for new gardeners, a very tough year for new gardeners, uh, and real easy to get frustrated. So, I mean, a couple things frustrated me. So, well, folks, thanks again for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. This was fun doing this. Uh, this is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. Thank you for listening.